0: Last week, I, I was trying to bring something across to you about contagious Christianity. Can you throw up that slide? I'm just going to be real with you. I like that. I found it on the internet. I did not design that. That would be a lie. But I liked it. Uh, and I didn't, never heard of the phrase contagious Christianity. Uh, it just came to me in my mind last week and I, in prayer. And so I wrote a sermon on it. And then I searched it out on the internet. And apparently some guy wrote a book about it a little while ago. So I thought, well, there we go. That's great. So that's something of what I want to preach about. And um, last week, I tried to bring a sermon or a message last week, and I felt like, and sometimes this happens when you preach, I'm just being open and honest with you, I felt like it didn't land. That's the best way I can explain it. And I felt like I confused some people. And my dad says sometimes when you preach, you die. And uh, that's the truth. And it's a great work of God, Right. Say, Lord, let's do that, but let's do it in the closet. Let's not do it in front of everyone else. But I, did, I just didn't feel I could land it, and, and my heart is very simple. I just want to share my heart with you. You know, I started going to something of milk versus meat, and I think that's, I could see some people were confused. So I wrote a chart. I haven't given it to them. I've got it for you afterwards. But there's, there's certain things in the church, in church culture, and in our church culture, that if we're not careful can become very uh, self-focused and people longing for God, longing for his power, longing for revival, which I do, um, but forgetting the gospel and forgetting that there's people all around them that are in desperate need of Jesus Christ and of salvation because we think salvation is like a basic truth. Salvation is the greatest miracle on the face of the earth to see our heart changed, a life transformed and to be people set free from truth. And uh, so I just was trying to share that heart with you. So if you want that chart, I can give it. Because people start to think, well, m- the milk of the word is like the basic truth. And the meat of the word is like the great truth. And they th- but it's, if it stays debate, if it stays theory, if it stays just at the level of someone teaching someone else, no matter what deep truth you're teaching, it's still milk. Because it's staying theory. Meat, Jesus said, my meat, my food is to do the will of my Father is action and so i'm going to read you this just for the sake of time and i'm preaching for another seven or ten minutes but i will be done soon but there's something about evangelism you know the word evangel evangel is uh, is actually the term used in the greek from the old people that would win battles they would send the singers and they would send the singers running over the mountains. I've preached about it before. And the watchmen would stand on the tower on the top of the wall and they'd see the evangels coming and they would declare in song, in dance, and sometimes by shouting, the fact that the battle had been won. It's interesting considering what happened in the worship. We don't plan these things, I promise. That the battle had been won and the battle that was won would then be declared by the watchman into the city. And we think, oh, that's nice, they got to celebrate. No, they got to save their lives, because if the battle wasn't won, they're about to become slaves. They're about to take their children. They're about a life-changing event. And that's where you get the term evangelism, to run, to go forth into the world, to go forth with the gospel of good news. But it's not going to be good news if you're not convinced that it's good news. Right? Because people will catch what you've got. So if we have a misconception of the Lord, we are declaring and speaking and proclaiming and our life is showing who we think God is. And that's what people catch. And so contagious Christianity, for me, I wrote it like this. The reason I preach and treasure so much the message of identity in Christ is because at the moment our our lives are preaching far louder the gospel than our words are in the general culture in North America. And so I started to ask the Lord, because there's not a lot of, everyone, as soon as I say the word evangelism, people think, he wants me to be Todd White, no. But our lives, in general, preach louder than our words, because often we're afraid to speak to people. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, how, what did I write to you, how can I help people in this culture? It was about six months ago, I started to cry to God, how can I help people in this political, politically correct, if you breathe wrong, somebody gets offended. You know, so everyone's afraid to say anything. I said, Lord, how can I help people in this culture to once again become fishers of men? How can I help people? And that's when the Lord started to say to me, show them who they are, show them what I've done, show them who I'm making them to be. The basics of identity and that's where all of that came forth. because the the end result is that you become fishers of men jesus said in matthew 4 follow me or mark one follow me and i will make you fishers of men yeah so it's very simple as we follow jesus he is in a making process friends he makes you he transforms you he changes you he conforms you he shapes you it's a making process but the making process eventually has one result you become a fisher of men the making process in in the middle and in the journey should make you free should teach you who you are should bring you peace with god should deal with your mountains and your problems and but if it stays there we have to become fishers of men i wrote you somewhere the person that Christ is forming us into, in the new man, in our new identity, who we are when we get saved, is largely going to be evidenced by us catching other people. Follow me and I will make you. Who will I make you? A fisher of men. And so as we get free, the result is we begin to be outward focused. And the result is we begin to look others. We start to sing over the mountaintop, saying, The battle has been won, the battle has been won. I have good news to share with you. My life is not perfect. I'm not I'm not the answer, but I know who is, I know the answer. Who is he lives inside of me? Amen. And that's that culture. For us to see that culture take hold of us at Free Life Church, I'm just being very real now, is going to take a culture shift. It's going to take a culture shift for the the understanding and the mindset that we have to be outward focused as individuals but also as a church. They interviewed Bill Johnson, not that I'm trying to be him, I'm not very secure in who I am. But they interviewed him many years ago with Bethel Church in California, and they said, when did the major shift take place? When did the tipping point come when success started to really, in a sense, go global? And he said the tipping point came when more was happening outside the four walls of the church than on the inside. He said because what happened was the church service started to become a place where we got to declare what was happening out there and worship God in response. Major difference. Major difference. And so that culture has to be taught, it needs equipping, it needs time, because most people don't feel equipped, they don't feel like, but it's so basic, it's so basic, because most people have this mindset of speaking about Jesus, and it like terrifies them. Let's be honest, hello? You know, you, but it shouldn't, because it's so simple, and it's so basic, and it's so easy. So... I wrote this, an orphan, because we have to know what we're bringing people into. Amen? We have to. We have to know what are we bringing people into. Because when you catch a person, we've grown in God and we're living our life and we're worshipping. And an opportunity comes and we get to speak to someone or someone asks us a question. And we have this just this divine encounter. And we bring someone to church or we get to minister to someone or someone's in our home for dinner or whatever the case. We have to know what we're bringing that person into because you're taken in the world if you have an orphan you don't take them you, orf- you don't take them from an institution to another institution you take an orphan from an orphanage from an institution into a family and that's why i'm so preaching and strong on this concept of what it means to be a covenantal family why because people only grow up in a family growing old and growing up are two very different things. And then you can grow old, doesn't mean you're growing up. And you grow up in a family. And the same is true of a church. So someone gets saved, and they get saved from, from innocence and in being an orphan, being unsaved. And they go from that institution into a spiritual institution. And they grow old in the pew. If there's not a revelation in the in the culture, in the feel, this is a family. We are covenanted to one another. We are tied together with blood. They are spiritual mothers and fathers. They are people who will bear one another's burdens and love one another. If there's understanding of family, biblical family, then the person coming into a context comes from an orphanage into a family, and they can grow up, Ephesians 4, they can grow up into all things, even into Christ, because they've joined a family, not a spiritual institution. Hello? So we need to have an understanding of what we're bringing them into. I would love, to, do I want this church to grow? If I said no, I would be crazy. Of course I want the church to grow. We'll take anybody who comes through that door, but my, my heart is to see it grow through people getting saved, through people getting saved. I love people coming from other churches we've seen, but to see it, a church grow, why do people plant churches? Because there's unsafe people in that area. That's a fact. That's simple. Not to have a different expression for Christians to, well, I like that expression. It's because there's people there who need Jesus Christ. Amen? The Bible says that you are salt, light, and leaven. Leaven is always used as a, in the Old Testament as a sin thing. But in the New Testament, friends, it says it takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. My heart is to equip the church. We have a slogan, we have a a vision statement, Encounter, Equip, Engage. We long for people to come so they can encounter God. But I also believe that we owe the world an encounter. We really do. We really do. So that we can equip them in a family to become fishers of men so that they can engage the world. And that process, you know, I hear again and again, well that's not my personality type. I'm just so grateful that Jesus sent all of his 72 disciples before he sent them out through the Myers-Briggs personality to make sure that they were outgoing. He didn't. So I, I just, I have, we're gonna have to develop this again in the future. But friends, I'm so stirred by God to see people saved. A lot of what you long for, a lot of what we long to see will come when you start to reach those who have no context of Christ. I'll give you a few examples, a few testimonies, and my dad wants to say something. Is that a, okay. um, I prayed for a Hindu lady a little while ago, just to show you that it's simple, and that when I say this, it doesn't. people think, well, I can't get words and knowledge, I, and we can get into all that. When we get into the equipping, it's very, very simple. Um, I went to a Hindu, I was standing in the line at Coles, and there was a Hindu lady there, and she had something wrong with this leg. Uh, I, don't, I cannot remember what stories I've told you and which ones I haven't. So I said, um, this was just a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and so I said to her, what's wrong with your leg? Is it, I asked in a nice way, are you okay? You look like you're in pain. <laughs> what's wrong? And she said. Uh, so I said, you know, can I pray for your leg? And we had just been in a discussion. Because she hears my accent. She says, where are you from? So I said that She said, South Africa. She said, well, we have many temples there. I said, yeah, us too. So I, I didn't, didn't explain that. I just said, yeah, us two. So I said, can I pray for your leg? And she says, uh, no. So I said, you know, and she says, no. Then she says, why? So I can go into the Christianese about how, while well, we believe it's not me and it's Jesus, and it, yeah, but I'm going to lose her. So I said, well, sometimes when we pray for people, they get healed. She goes, oh, healer? Now, every Christian would be like, oh. If you say yes, you think you're Jesus. No, I'm just trying to meet her where she's at. So I said, yeah. She goes, okay. She puts all of her stuff down, empties her pockets, assumes the position, and puts her hand up. She says, all right. So I said, great. So I put my hand in her hand, and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. She pulled her hand away. because She doesn't believe it. I use Jesus, you know. In the name of Jesus, be healed. She pulls her hand away. She says, no, I don't believe in Jesus. I said, check your leg. And her face was like, um, ah, and she was healed. And I just said to her, have a blessed day, God loves you, and I walked out. So that's great, right? But the reason I tell that story, and there's many, is those are the stories that we tell, and they're good, but it, it makes many people think, I can never do that and i'm not there and i can never do that therefore everything about reaching out to people if it's not that it's not reaching out friends that is a lie don't believe it and we can get it whether it's praying for your neighbors whether it's acts of kindness whether it's the most basic simple things that can you know acts of kindness and the miraculous both of them are the greatest draw in the new testament and every single one of you can be kind because god's kindness leads you to repentance what can your kindness do for another? To some people, a miracle will actually drive them away because they think it's occultic. But an act of kindness, it's like the miraculous. It draws people in, and anybody can do that. So I'm looking forward to it. That's just some of it. We're going to do some equipping and just do what it means to have an outward focus. Amen? Dad, you had something to say. Just an
1: encouragement in the natural, very simple. Smile. Just smile. Smile when you're in a restaurant, smile when you're in Walmart, just smile. I'm telling you, just smile. Because if you don't smile, people are going to say, oh, grumpy, I'm not going near that person. Number two, just be generous. Generous with your time, generous at a restaurant when you're tipping the weight. And number three, ask questions. Then you'll see how far you can go. Because if they're not going to answer your questions, then they're not giving you invitation, little step in. Oh, what's your name? Oh, where'd you grow up? The simple, basic questions of life. Just, you know, oh, where'd you study or whatever. That's, I'm telling you, for me, it helps. And then while they're answering, I'm saying, Lord, is there anything? And if nothing comes, I don't force it. That's it. Oh, hallelujah, nice. But it opens the door next time I meet them to, you know what I mean. Many of you, uh, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Sam, I'm, I'm the, the Panera man because I'm always there. But the only reason why I go there is because I know everybody there. And when I walk in, everybody runs and greets me and whatever. What can I get you? It's just because I'm upset. When, I, when they take your money, and just, I ask them their name. I, and every time I go there, I greet them by name. It's that simple. You know, That's what I'm trying to say. It opens up a door. That's what I'm trying to say. Simple stuff. Okay. Smile.
0: And Josh, once sorry. You know josh and i josh why don't you come up josh and i meet at panera josh and me we meet every second week and kevin and i in the other weeks we fought about that for a little while but um there's a there's a lady there who serves us and we know her name and everything and you know she came to me a little while and friends it's just so some this is some of the way we want to equip you in basic ways so we'll go into this in detail but this lady comes to us and i said to her hey, sounds like it's so fancy but i had this sense in my heart that she was has like a business gift and she's a waitress nothing wrong with waitressing but i said to her you know ma'am i knew used her name i don't want to say it over the recording so i said you know i just sense like you have this gift for business you know and she got emotional she says i'm from mexico i was a, a trial lawyer so i said What's going on? She said, I doesn't transfer and I cannot study. So I don't want to be like, are oh, you illegal? I mean, I can't ask that. So I said, okay. So I made phone calls to some lawyers. Do you have a position? Do you have a, um, what's that word? Where Sam is? Paralegal, thank you. Do you have something? And I went and gave her some numbers. Hey, this might help you. A little bit of effort. She was at my table, Dave Provotin over there this week. She was at my table just before he got there crying her eyes out telling me that her husband's just left her all the stuff's going on left him with a kid just walked out that's a stranger pouring out her heart to me at her work because i took the time to speak to her and she says you're you're the god guy because i have my bible there she i said yeah she says can you help me nothing fancy but look what god can do with it speak to us josh we love you bless you